0: Welcome, everybody, to this month's Executive Challenges Town Hall, where we're continuing our series on the four disciplines of organizational health. And for those of you that are interested, the work that we're doing and the principles that we're talking about can be found in Patrick Lencioni's book, the Advantage, Why Organizational Health Trumps Everything Else in Business. My name is Chris Reese. I'm the president and founder of Cirrus Business Group, and I've got with me our VP of all things people <laughs> and uh, everything else, uh, Coach Judy Harris. Uh, welcome, Judy.
1: Thank you, Chris. I'm so glad to be here again.
0: Well, we're glad you're here, and I'm glad you could take time out of your schedule to be, be with me. I know we've got a lot of different things going uh, but i think it's very important to share these principles with our uh, with our audience and today we're going to be talking about discipline number 1 which is creating a cohesive leadership team and talk to me about what you've seen of the importance maybe the good the bad and the ugly within some of the clients we've worked with on how why this is important and and how you've seen that play out
1: yeah Chris first let's just talk a minute about what do we mean by a cohesive leadership team Mm -hmm. and we're not talking about a team here where everybody thinks alike it's hunky-dory they walk alike they talk alike they chew the same brand of gum that is not what we're talking about we're talking about a team of people who does have a common vision a common purpose when they get together and they come out with the results of their meeting or their agenda, they're on the same page. They're all supporting it and able to carry that message down to the troops. Uh, that doesn't mean there hasn't been some conflict in the middle, but when they walk out, they're, um, they're all on the same page, and it's uh, like the Three Musketeers. They certainly disagreed, but all for one and one for all was the end of the, uh, the day. Reality is, what we've seen out there is a lot of leadership teams that think they're on the same page and they're cohesive, Uh, first of all, they don't know how to run a meeting. Mm. And so by the end of that meeting, when a lot of people have talked a lot and most of them have said nothing, uh, they all walk out thinking they're in agreement and nobody knows what was finally said because nobody wrapped it up. Right. So there's team dynamics. Much less
0: agreed on a common uh, set of notes. Exactly.
1: Right. And what are we going? What message are we going to take out of there? And then uh, we've heard stories from uh, even our own associates within us, our consultancy, of places they've been where they walked out of the meeting and realized that the person standing next to them didn't even support the suggestion or the idea. It's like, no, that's never going to work. Well, why didn't you speak up in the meeting? Oh, it wouldn't have made any difference.
0: Yeah, we refer to that as the meeting after the meeting. The meeting, yeah. And or if you're uh, having the meeting after the meeting, then that means your meeting was not effective.
1: Yeah, that's probably taking place in front of the water cooler or the coffee machine.
0: That's right, that's right. Or, <laughs> or on the way, uh, in the parking lot on the way to lunch, right. you know. Um, And uh, that's a great point, Judy, that you bring out when we talk about what does a cohesive leadership team even look like? How do they function? And we've talked about in previous podcasts the five components of an effective team. Right. And so much of what we see in organizations whenever we see that dysfunction really comes back to a lack of trust. It does. It and, does. And mm-hmm. what we'll see is we see people that truly enjoy working with one another, and that's both good and bad. Uh, if the trust level is not taking, taken deeper, then what happens is because I like working with you, I'm not going to say something that I think might offend you or hurt your feelings because... I value our relationship. Now, I don't value it enough to put it at risk to tell you the truth. Right. And that's the level that that you've got to get to to be an effective team. And I think also this is not just uh, – certainly it's got to start at the top. The, it does. The leaders of the organization have to be modeling this. But it doesn't necessarily mean if you're listening to this and you're not you know, a top executive in your organization, it doesn't mean you can't start doing this just within your work group. And, exactly. and you and your work group becoming a cohesive team.
1: Right. And this is not an overnight trip.
0: No, it's certainly no, not.
1: No, when you go back to the stages of team, uh, no matter whose terminology you use, you know, you're going to have this very careful forming stage, and then you're storming where you've got unhealthy conflict going on. And until that team's in the next stage, which is norming or one of my sources calls it awakening, uh, you th- the team it ru- itself is really at risk of falling apart. Mm-hmm. Only when you get to that stage can they have that healthy conflict, which is about the trust you were talking about, Chris. It's There's enough trust there to be vulnerable and open and speak what you think is your truth and be heard but not beat up for it with that unhealthy kind of, well, you said, he said, she said kind of thing. Right. So uh, it takes a little time, which goes to another point that I have in my notes is what do you do when the team changes? Mm. You know, you've got this really well-functioning team. Somebody retires and you're going to replace either from within or outside. Now, from within, you might know the person well enough that they pretty much jump in, and within a short period of time, they're, you're, you're back to a pretty cohesive team. What about that guy from the outside? Right. You're going to have a little longer getting to the trust and the uh, vulnerability that that person's open enough to chew a different kind of gum, and it's okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or not chew gum at all, and that's okay.
0: Well, and the research on teams is, is pretty definitive about this. The If there's more than 20% turnover in a team, then the team goes all the way back to the forming it stage. Does. And most they of your work go. groups, that means one person. Mm-hmm. Think about the size of the work groups that most people are in. That's, it's one person is 20% or, or oftentimes more. Yes. Than twenty percent, and so that's that's a great point, and you know the the importance of the emotional maturity and emotional intelligence of the team members, and anything you can do to mature yourself from an emotional intelligence person uh, perspective, or uh, help and encourage your teammates to improve their emotional intelligence. That's going to help you push through the the storming phase and and make sure that it becomes healthy conflict and not unhealthy conflict because something else that we've seen in a lot of organizations is especially the the forming stage everybody's you know happy there's a lot of energy i like you i'm excited about the team uh we're doing good and then they go into that storming stage Mm -hmm. which is a necessary function in order to be a high-performing team and and develop that trust, but it doesn't feel good. No,
1: it feels awful. And
0: so if you don't have that emotional intelligence and you're not aware of the the stages of team development and that this is a a thing that you've got to push on through, not avoid, not back away from, then what happens is you end up with a very mediocre team that uh has all these things that are left unsaid uh all these issues that are left unresolved because the team chooses not to deal with them
1: right and of course that me- in the long run means for a very short lived company because the effectiveness at the top is gone, so it filters all the way down. Right. But let's go back to the like and dislike for a minute, because that brings me back to some of the other work that we do that's vital to teams, and that's knowing who's on your team. Right. Your personality work. And a cohesive team doesn't mean everybody likes each other. It means they understand each other, that they respect each other, they respect those differences.
0: And they have an understanding that there's nothing personal here. We've all right. got the best interest of the organization at, as our main objective. There's not another objective. Uh, we've left our personal agendas at the door. Uh, and, and having enough trust that you mm-hmm. can honestly say that about every single person on that team that's having to make the decision or get the job done. Yeah. is it takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy.
1: This, yeah, this can be exhausting work if it's not done well or if you don't have some kind of a coach or a guide to help you along with it. When you're new to this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, n- a newly forming team that really wants to get to this level is probably not going to make it on their own. They're probably going to have to have some help.
0: Yeah, and we, we've often used the analogy of a professional athlete. Right. And even if you've been through this before, it's that third-person perspective is huge when you're trying to do this because they're going to see things. They're going to bring an objectivity to the situation that you simply cannot do on your own. And you wouldn't imagine a professional athlete competing without a coach. You wouldn't imagine, uh, you know, how serious would you think an Olympian was if if they were coaching themselves. Yeah, you know, when you asked them, well, who's your, who's your coach? And they said, oh, I don't need a coach. I've I've done this before. And you'd think that person's a fool. Right. Yet we so often do the, the same time. thing in business.
1: All, all the time. But at the end of the meeting, at the end of the day, uh, like or dislike each other personally, these people are able to walk out of the meeting, say, this is what we've decided. I can carry it. I've got the mes- message. I can take it on down to my team. Just don't expect me to have coffee with you.
0: And that's okay. That's exactly right, you know and, and while that you may be thinking, well goodness gracious, I don't know if that's a team that I'd, I'd like to be on, you know think about that. If you can get to the point where you're honest enough with each other, that you've got enough professional respect for one another, that you know exactly where one another stands, right? And you can come together and you can focus on the objective and you can get that done. And leverage one another's strengths, and be honest enough to say, you know what, I, I, I don't expect me to hang out with you and have coffee because that's just maybe it's not who I am, or maybe it's I just you know have different interest in you, and you know for for whatever any number of reasons, right? Right. And and that can be a very healthy place to be if you've got emotionally mature individuals, right.
1: and that takes time. And it takes training. Yes. I mean, you know, people don't come to this out of nowhere. They they need to have the training, the background, the coaching, everything that goes along, and the school of hard knocks. Yes. You have to have been down that road. You don't walk into those positions without having been down the road a couple of times.
0: Well, and, and I'm also reminded of some of the, uh, the marriage seminars mm-hmm. that I've been to and... and uh, different things that my wife and I have gone through, and it's the same thing in business. You know, yeah, you can, you do want to provide your team resources to improve themselves, but the first place you've got to start is with yourself. And you've got to be sure that you're not approaching your team from the standpoint of, hey, I, I got it all together, I know everything, you guys need to get up to speed. Uh, or Sally really has a problem. she needs to get that straightened out. Uh, it needs to be making sure first and foremost that you are doing the best that you can do, and then uh, you know then helping your team with the support and resources that they need to to grow and be the best that they can become. But it really is right. making yourself the best team member possible and serving the others on that team, and that's where so much of this really starts.
1: Right, and uh, just kind of toward the end here, we need to talk a little bit about vulnerability because it's so vital that those team members are vulnerable enough to be open and Mm. take the feedback without it being taken in the wrong way, that this is meant to grow our team, to grow our business, and you've got to have a little bit of wax on your back uh, on this team and yeah. Uh, yeah and and vulnerable enough to hear what's being said at the water cooler and investigate the story behind it
0: right right we we have talked often about this vulnerability and and we ask people all the time in the organizations we work with you know if if one of your coworkers or somebody knew something saw something in you that was really holding you back from bec- from realizing your full potential or getting that next promotion or whatever it was, or maybe even just holding your team back, would you want to know what that is? And I don't think we've ever had anybody tell us no. No, now, I'm not that I the trick is, okay, you say yes, But are you really okay with yes? Because once it's out there, then now the ball's back in your court, and the way your team responds is going to be based on what you do with that information. How you receive it. Mm -hmm. And and so many times uh, we talk about feedback is a gift. Feedback is a gift. There's no such thing as positive feedback or negative feedback. There's just feedback. Right. It is what it is. Uh, it could be something that is an affirmation of something you've done well, or it could be this needs to change. Both are equally valuable, and I would say that the the stuff that we call negative feedback most of the time—again, there is no negative feedback—but that's how feedback. people call it. That stuff is the most valuable. Because those are the things that can have the maximum impact on your organization, maximum impact on your career, your life, your team. Uh, And those are the things you want to know because those are the things that are holding you back. And creating that trust and being willing to be vulnerable enough as a member of a team, that's a critical part to develop the trust. That's a great point, Judy.
1: It really is. So uh, if you want some help with all of this stuff, we'll hear, we are here, and Chris, uh, some final notes on this, because we would love to go out and, and be there for these people and help them out.
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, this is a conversation that will will be continuing into next month's Executive Challenges Town Hall, and we're going to have a, a special guest, so you're going to want to be sure you don't, uh, don't miss next month's. And this is going to be – this is a business leader that is practicing these disciplines of organizational health uh, in the organization over which they have responsibility. And they're going to be able to provide you some valuable insight into the impact that this has had on their organization and some of the challenges they've come up against as they've tried to – to implement and execute, just especially just right here on this first discipline of a cohesive leadership team.
1: Right. The real world stories.
0: That's right. That's right. So be sure and join us this, uh, this next month. And uh, we thank you for joining in and, and listening to us this month. Uh, we'll see you next month as we continue. Our Executive Challenges Town Hall on the four disciplines of organizational health. Cirrus Business Group has been helping organizations do great things on multiple continents for several years. If you'd like to learn more about how they can help your organization, check out our website at www.cirrusbusinessgroup.com. That's C I R R U S businessgroup.com.